Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. All right, I want to look at number 6, verse 22 through 27. It's known as the Aaronic Blessing. Uh, Many of you are probably familiar with it. You may not know it by that title, but it's a fascinating passage, and it's just been on my heart, been rolling through my heart for the last week or so. Uh, Verse 22, chapter 6 of Numbers, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, thus shall you bless the people of Israel, you shall say to them. So this was a command from, from God through Moses to Aaron and his sons who were the priests. And it's known as the Aaronic blessing. It's the priestly blessing. It's also called that. And this was the way that they were to send the Israelites out. Listen to what it says. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. How many of you are familiar with that? You've heard that. Uh, you may not have known where it was, but you've heard that before. And then he adds this, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. It's interesting, he says, you're going to place my name upon them with this blessing. And so this is known as the Aaronic blessing. And it's a powerful, a powerful prayer. But what sticks out to me is this fascinating little phrase. Let me pull up my notes here. This little, this little phrase about his face shining upon us. And all week long, really for the last two weeks, that phrase has been rolling over my heart. Uh, when Bob Hazlett left, uh, after Bob left, all I can explain it, it, the only way I can explain it is this. It felt like the air was clear, like things, like the mist had, had lifted, and there was a clarity in the air, and I felt God's face shining on us. And so I've been asking the Lord about that. Lord, what does that mean? The, the Lord's face shining upon us. We, we tend to use this phrase, and it, it's a biblical phrase, this biblical idea. We talk about seeking God's face. What does that mean? We're going to seek his face. And what does it mean that God's face would shine upon us? The flip side of that is there are also numerous passages in the Old Testament where God warns that if you do such and such a thing, if you do these things, I will turn my face from you. I will hide my face from you. There's a passage in Isaiah where he says, momentarily I hid my face from you, but now I will turn my face back to you. And all of this speaks of the blessing of God, the favor of God, or the flip side is falling into disfavor with God. And so we're to seek God's face and have his face shine upon us. Now let me, let me read you one other passage. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Why don't you go ahead and turn there with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse, uh, I want to say it's verse 6. Let me get there. I should have brought a, a real Bible instead of my digital one here. I can get there quicker. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4. If you uh, come to prayer in the morning, you'll hear me occasionally pray this out. I love this passage. Uh, chapter 4. Okay, look at where it says... Uh, verse 12. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold... Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Um, 
I'm looking for <laughs> chapter 4. Okay, here we go. Sorry about that. Um, look, at, look with me. Look, look at verse 1. We'll just read the whole thing. Therefore, having this ministry. Now, you've got to understand what he's referring to is the ministry he spoke of in chapter 3. He said that Moses would go up on the mountain. He would get in the presence of God and literally soak in the glory. So he came down and he would glow with the glory of God. He breaks into chapter 4 and he says, since we have this ministry. What ministry? We have the ministry of getting in his presence, soaking in his glory, and coming down among men and shining. That's the essence of ministry. Everything else we do is side issues. But what we're really supposed to do is get with him, soak him in, and represent or represent him among men. So that's what he's referring to. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to every Everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, what Paul is doing is he is unpacking the dilemma of the unbeliever. And if many of you, if you can put yourself back before you met the Lord, you can relate with this. He said that the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. There are blinders that come over our minds before we, we knew Christ. And we, those blinders kept us from comprehending the gospel. I don't know about you, but I was raised in church. My dad is a pastor. Uh, he pastors Heartland Atumwa, down in Atumwa, Iowa. But I was raised in church. I was raised in the things of God. Knew the Lord uh, coming up through childhood. When I was about 12, I got baptized in the Spirit, uh, had experiences with God. But when I was about 14, I made a conscious decision to walk away from God because I wanted to be popular. Got into the drug culture. and By the time I was 16, I was an alcoholic. Ended up in rehab. By the time I was 18, uh, well, by the time I was 16, I was homeless. And by the time I was 18, I, had, I was a mess. And I came back to the Lord. But during that time, people would witness to me, and it was like I couldn't grasp the gospel. I could explain it to you theologically. Matter of fact, when I would get drunk, people would tell me I would preach to them. Because it was so much in me. And people would tell me, you're going to end up a preacher. And they'd laugh at me. And I'd laugh back thinking they were nuts. Well, they were right. But it was in me. But there was a, an inability to grasp it. And then there was a group of little old ladies at First Church of the Open Bible in Ottumwa, Iowa, that took me on as their prayer target. And I came into a season, I'm telling you, where everywhere I went, people would preach to me. I literally had... I literally had unbelievers preach the gospel to me. I, was, I remember one night, I don't even know who the guy was. We were standing on a riverbank in Ottumwa, drinking beer, and he looked at me and said, you know what my grandma believes? And he preached the gospel fervently to me. I couldn't believe it. It was like everywhere I went. I would be standing out on the street, and I'd see people coming towards me, and I'd, I'd bump, I, I thought, man, they're going to come and preach to me. People didn't street witness in a tumble at that time. I didn't know anybody, but I would just know it in my heart. They're coming to preach to me. And they'd walk up. I said, you're going to preach to me, aren't you? Praise the Lord. And they would just preach. 
I would, I would weep and I would tell him, get away from me, I don't want to hear it, get away from me. And then I'd go search him out because my heart was hungry for the truth. But it's like it was too, I couldn't grasp it. Was, it was like it would run through my fingers. It was the truth, but I couldn't comprehend it. And then those ladies began to pray. And the blinders came off my eyes. And this passage tells us how the blinders are lifted. And it ties in with the ironic blessing. Listen to what he says. I love this phrase. So he says, uh, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light in the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. And now listen to this wonderful pregnant phrase. It would drive an English teacher nuts because it's such a run-on sense, but it's a glorious phrase. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give, listen to this sentence, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. I love that phrase. I pray it out all the time. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. And that's what I want to unpack this morning. Father, I ask that you would anoint us in these next few minutes Lord, and I'm asking, just put your hands up before the Lord. Father, I'm asking that your face would shine upon us. Lord, we would live in the light of your knowledge. We would not be left in the dark in any area of our lives. Oh God, posture our hearts so that we can live in the light of your face. In Jesus' name, amen. He says, Paul is referencing creation. He said, the God who said, let light shine in darkness. It's a reference to the first few chapters of Genesis where God is in creation. He creates the earth formless and void. And then he says, let there be light. And the spirit of, well, the spirit of God hovered over the deep. And then he said, let there be light. And there was light. And so it's a picture of creation giving us an analogy of recreation, of your new birth. What, how did it happen? The same way it happened the first time around. The Spirit of God hovered over us. The, the, the Spirit of God began to haunt me. There's a reason they call him the Holy Ghost. He would haunt me. I remember running from God and the Spirit of God would just hover over me and I was miserable in my sin. I couldn't enjoy it anymore. There was, there was an awakening beginning to happen in my heart. My eyes began to be open. I remember very distinctly one of the ways in which I knew God was dealing with me is that when I would steal, I felt guilty. And I remember I was, because I was homeless, I went into a gas station and I was going to steal some Twinkies because I was hungry. And I'm into health food. And so I was reaching for some Twinkies and the thought struck me, if I steal these, I'm going to end up with a Twinkies worth of hide taken out of me. I'm going to pay. There is, with every kick, there's a kickback. What a man sows, he will reap. I know that I'm going to pay for this one way or the other. Now, I didn't think that way. I didn't think about consequences. I didn't think about if I do this, that happens. I was just living for the moment. But all of a sudden, this awareness of the spiritual realm and that there are, there are scales that will be balanced. 
And I remember not stealing the Twinkies because I, was, I knew that I'm, there's going to be consequences to my thievery. That was an awakening with my heart. The blinders were beginning to lift. And so the way in which God lifts the blinders is God says, the, God who's, the, 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 the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the deep, and the Lord speaks, the word of the Lord comes, and there's light, it brings light to our soul, and we see and I remember the night I got saved, it's like I stepped over the line and I thought, why didn't I do this years ago? Why did it take me so long? It seemed so impossible. I knew the truth, but I couldn't grasp it. And once I stepped over this mirage of barrier that I thought was impossible to cross over was gone and I was in. And I thought, why didn't I do this before? It's the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. The, the knowledge of God will give us light. I would propose to you that not every believer has the same measure of light in their life. Not every believer walks in the same measure of light. There's an interesting little verse, and I want to say it's in John chapter 8. Jesus says, whoever walks after me will no longer walk in darkness. He shall have the light of life. Literally, the life of God within you will begin to lead you. There will be life, and it will give you light. And if you hunger for more, God will give it to you. But it comes by seeking his face, because it's the light in the face of Christ Jesus. And not everybody walks in the same light. There are areas of our life where we walk in darkness because we're not seeking the light of his face for those areas of our life. And God wants to give us the light of the knowledge. The knowledge of God will give enlightenment in any area of your life. And God doesn't want to leave us in darkness. Just because you're born again does not mean that you don't dwell in darkness in areas of your life. Ignorance is a form of darkness. And God wants to lead us in. I, I so appreciated what Jennifer shared this morning, that we've got to get out of the comfort of our car and go up and knock. The valuable things demand a knock. The low-lying fruit, all you do is you ask and you receive. Then there's the seek and you shall find. The reason you have to seek is because it's hidden, and it's hidden because, it's a, because of its value. And the effort demanded of you to seize the treasure is equal to the value of the treasure. Ask and receive, those are low-lying fruit. It's valuable, but not that valuable. Seek and you shall find, it's more valuable. But the, the knock and the door shall be open to you is very valuable truth. And God wants to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. I told you that the reason this phrase has been on my heart is when Bob left, I had spent several days in meeting after meeting after meeting of Bob ministering and there were some things he spoke into the house that I just felt like there was clarity in the air and I felt the face of the Lord shining on us and I was asking, Lord, what does this mean? I, I know that phrase from scripture, but I don't want to assume I know what that means. And the face of the Lord shining upon us is the favor of God. If you look at the promises throughout scripture, when God's face shines upon us, it's blessing and protection. God going before us. And the consequences of God hiding his face from us is where we lose the protection that we live under. 
It's the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. You see, the glory of God is an interesting thing. It's, it's greater than the presence of the Lord. We can know presence and not know glory. Uh, probably the best passage to look at to understand what is the glory of God is, I want to say it's Exodus 32 and 33, where Moses is crying out for the children of Israel. And God is, God is upset. He's, he's washing his hands of the children of Israel. And he says, I'm done. Moses, I'm just going to destroy the whole nation. They're a stiff-necked, rebellious people. And I will make a new nation out of you. It will be the nation of Mo. If, if Moses would have went through with it, if Moses wouldn't have prayed, we would be praying for peace in the Middle East in the nation of Mo and not in the nation of Israel. But Moses cried out for Israel. He, he, he petitioned God and he stayed in the pocket. We've talked about it before, but it's, it's, it's the zenith of intercession in Scripture. It's the greatest example in all of history, aside from the cross, of what intercession really is. And Moses is in the pocket and he's crying out and he's saying, God, no, think of your great name. He's appealing to the character of God and he's saying, God, think of your great namesake. What will the Egyptians think? That you, you rescued Israel from them only to destroy them in the wilderness? He's appealing to God's character and God's purposes. And God says to Moses, he says, leave me alone that my anger may burn. What a frightening phrase. Leave me alone. I can't imagine. You, 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 we can read over scripture sometimes and we really miss what God is saying because we're so used to hearing this stuff. God told his man, the primary intercessor on the earth at that time, he said, leave me alone. You ever heard that one in prayer? That is a frightening thing to hear from God. Leave me alone. And he's then he tells him why. So that my anger may burn. And when he said that, Moses discerned a crack in the door. And he realized, you mean you have to be alone for your anger to burn? This is precisely why intercession is so crucial. We are the ones who stand in the gap and withhold the judgment of God from a nation who deserves it us included. But if we will say, God, we've made a commitment not to allow you to be alone. The loneliness of God is a requirement for the judgment of God. And if God will have intercessors who commit themselves to get in the, stand in the gap and say, I refuse to let God alone. I am going to give you an audience and I'm going to cry out to you, God. And I'm going to I'm going to remind you of your character and your namesake. I'm going to fight for your reputation before man in prayer. And God relented. And most of us would have thought that was a good prayer meeting. We would have said, okay, that was enough for one prayer meeting. God said he's not going to destroy the nation. But God adds on, he said, I'm not going to destroy the nation, but I'm not going to go with you either. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send an angel with you so that you can enter into your inheritance. But I can't go with you because if I do, you're a stiff-necked people and I'll end up having to judge this nation. And Moses digs in again. This guy will not take no for an answer. He says, God, I am, we are not getting up from this place. If you're not going with us, we're not leaving because our real inheritance is not the land, it's you. He says, God, what will make us different than the, all the peoples of the earth? And we need to catch this. 
What is supposed to set you and I aside from the peoples of the earth is not merely our doctrine. It's not merely what we believe. It's what we carry in a tangible way. Moses said what's going to set us aside from the nations of all the earth is the presence of God with us. People can believe a lot of things. And if someone doesn't agree with your belief, they're not attracted to what you have. Moses understood there was an extra dimension beyond their faith, beyond what they believed. It was the reward of God's presence resting on them. And he said, this is what's going to make us different from all the peoples of the earth. And again, God relents. And if you look at the passage, I don't have time to read it this morning, but Moses is so intense on his cry that he runs right by God when God answers him. And God, he goes on by and God has to grab him by the collar and pull him back. He said, Moses, I told you I'm going to go with you. Because he says to God, he said, God, God, if you don't go with us, we're not getting up from here. And God said, okay, I'll go with you. And Moses said, I'm telling you, if you won't. And God said, whoa, whoa, I already answered that prayer. And most of us would have thought that was a really good prayer meeting, but not Moses. The very next thing out of his mouth was, God, show me your glory. I want to be like Moses that is never satisfied. I'm telling you, there is so much more in the heart of God that he is longing to unleash on the human race. But he's looking for a man or a woman that is hungry enough to ask for it. And so many of us are settling for false finish lines. We get our initial prayer answered and we settle down there. And what was meant to be a, a little stopover in the journey becomes our permanent residence. And we should have just put a signpost there and said, this is what God did here, but we're going after more. But what we do is set up a little stand and we make that our whole testimony. And God is, there is so much more in God. He's longing to give to us, but he's looking for an intercessor. They, he, he got life. Uh, an entire nation was saved, but it wasn't enough for Moses. Then he got the presence, but the presence wasn't enough. He said, I want to see your glory. And what did God say? God says, I will cause my goodness and declare my name. I will cause my goodness to pass before you. The glory of God is the essence of who he is. It is his goodness. When you are in the glory, when the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, which by the way is found in the face of Christ Jesus, when it is on your life, you can believe for anything because you see his goodness all around you. God wants to raise up a people that live from his goodness. Many of you knew Pastor Bob Phillips. He passed away about four years ago now. Bob and I discussed this many times. What is the most important attribute of God? It's, it's those kind of discussions that 
theologians have, you know. What, we, we, I love theology. And so we talked about what is the most important attribute of God's character? And we both had come to the same conclusion. It's the goodness of God. God is all-knowing. He's omniscient. And that's a wonderful thing. He is all-wise. God alone can remain unteachable and be okay. He's the only one who can be unteachable and be okay because he already knows everything. God is all-powerful. He's omnipotent. Nothing is too difficult for him. Anything, he can do anything. And all of that is great. But those two attributes of God's character would be terrifying if not controlled by his goodness. God's thoughts towards you are for good and not for harm. God is good, his goodness. And when we see him from that perspective, we need that revelation because it's the goodness of God. It's, it is his wisdom and it is his power, but it's his love, his goodness that causes us to fully surrender. When you believe those three attributes, you have an airtight God. If you really believe he knows what's best, he can do what's best, and here's the clincher, he wants what's best for you. When you believe that, you can't help but surrender. You would be, you would be insane not to surrender. And the war of the ages, the, the great liar himself, the father of lies, is always trying to attack one of those three attributes. Oh, God means well. You ever heard someone say that? God means well. The arrogance of that statement. He knows what's best. He can pull it off. But the, the, the most wonderful thing is he really does what wants best for your life. He wants what's best for you. The goodness of God. So when Moses cried out, he said, God, show me your glory. What God said is he said, okay, I'm going to hide you in a cleft in the rock. There's, there's a crack in the rock. I'm going to tuck you in there. I'm going to put my hand over it. And then I'll just, I'll go by. My goodness will go by and I'll move my hand and you can take a little peek as I walk by. And Moses comes down glowing like a glowworm. It's an amazing encounter. He got a glimpse of God's goodness passing by. When you see Jesus who Paul said is the exact representation of the Godhead in bodily form. You see, God told Moses, he said, no one can see my face and live. It'll kill you. So what does it mean when it says Moses, God spoke to Moses face to face as one does a friend? It's, it's, a picture, it's a word picture, because in that culture, superior, uh, inferior people never looked at a superior, especially a king, an, an emperor, a ruler. You didn't look him in the face. That's still true in some cultures. You don't, you don't allow your eyes to meet with the king because that is disrespectful. You just keep your head down. But scripture says that he'll lift his countenance towards you. 
that God, the, the, the light of his face, he wants his face to shine upon you. God spoke to Moses as face to face as one would speak to a friend. What it is implying there is God treated Moses like a friend, like an equal. Of course, Moses was not equal. But God brought him into his counsel, and he would speak to him as a friend. He was a confidant of God. It's an amazing thing. And if that doesn't make you hungry, you need something to go happen in your, your heart. If that doesn't make you jealous and ask the question, is it still possible? Is there still room for one more? Would God do that today? And the answer is a resounding yes. You see, Jesus, he took on a form where we can see his face and not die. He took on human form. He is the exact representation of the Godhead in bodily form. And the glory of God is in the face of Christ Jesus. God wants us to live in the light of his favor. He wants to give you a revelation of his goodness. And the way to get more is to steward what you already have. This is a principle of the kingdom. He who has will be given more. And he who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. That, those were the words of Jesus himself. If you will take the, the truth you have and begin to guard that and steward that and live inside of that and cultivate that and renew your mind around that, I'm telling you, it's the pathway into the brightness of his face. And God wants us to live in such a way that we're evaluating all of life through his goodness. That's what I, when, when two weeks ago, when we, we landed it on Sunday morning, and over the next few days, I just felt his shining face towards us. We're living in a season where God wants us to ask for big things for his kingdom. Understand, Moses' posture, his, his heart posture in intercession was, God, what about your name before mankind? He argued the, the, the reputation, the character, the promises of God. He was, Moses was jealous for God's glory. He's saying, Lord, what are men going to think? And when we come into his presence with that posture, we can ask for big things. God wants to expand his kingdom. But he's wanting us to draw near and live in the shining nature of his glory in his face. The glory of God is the goodness of God. When we cry out for his glory, he lets us get a glimpse of his goodness. Some of you this morning, there is still darkness in your heart. Not because you've chosen it, not because you've stubbornly pursued it, but because it's the residue of past experiences. There are still shadows in your heart and beliefs about God that you've picked up that other people have modeled and you've imposed them and reflected them back on God. And God wants to correct those things. He wants to bring you into an opinion of him, of his bright and shining goodness. God wants you to renew your mind. Because in order for you to go where God wants you to go in him, 
you're going to have to be convinced of his goodness. Some of you, the reason you don't seek his face with great zeal is because of how you, what you believe about him. And if any of us believed what you believed about him, we wouldn't be seeking God either. You need your mind renewed. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Father, we just ask, Lord, for the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. Lord, I'm asking God that you would open the eyes of our understanding in the knowledge of you. Lord, I'm asking God that we would see your goodness and out of that goodness would flow healings. Lord, out of that goodness would flow deliverance. I'm reminded this morning of when Renee Norgard got out of her wheelchair. What precipitated the healing of her coming out of the wheelchair right over here was she had come forward because she had felt like an orphan before God. And the message that night was on the orphan spirit. And people came forward. She wasn't the only one, but they came forward and began to ask God, God, heal that thing, that perspective that I don't see you as a father. I feel like I'm an orphan without a father. And as God healed that, she got her physical healing. But I'm gonna tell you, that, that physical miracle, it was the most, it was probably the most pronounced physical miracle I've ever seen with my eyes. Her, her, her hands had atrophied and she couldn't even sit up. And within a matter of 20 minutes, she was running laps in here. But I'm telling you, that miracle was no greater than the miracle that was done in her heart. Because the light of the knowledge of the glory of God was shed abroad in her heart. Some of you, you've had situations and circumstances and the enemies tried to redefine God in your mind through those situations. Some of you, fathers that were in your life, pastors that were in your life, leaders that addressed you in a way that misrepresented God and it's caused you to look at God through faulty lenses and caused you to, to stand in the shadows and not enter in. And God wants to heal that this morning. And some of you, you just need to get saved this morning. You just need to come to Jesus. Just like I had to do and every one of us had to do. If you're here this morning and you're saying, I need to get saved. I need to surrender to Jesus. I'm telling you, he is good. He wants what's best. He knows what's best and he can pull it off. The only thing God doesn't have to give you all the desire he has in his heart for you, the only thing he doesn't have is your will. So if that's you this morning, I want you to just lift your hand high. You're saying, I need to get saved. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. If that's you, don't, don't let this opportunity pass you by. If you're saying, I need to get right with the Lord this morning. I want to open the altars. If you know that you have, you have some misconceptions about God and you're saying, I want to deal with these. I want my mind renewed. I want to live in the light of his goodness, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. And you know there's some things that the Lord wants to touch in your heart. I want you to come forward right now. We want to pray for you this morning. Yeah, don't hesitate. Just make your way forward. Hallelujah. And if you need to surrender your life to Jesus this morning,
We want to pray for you. That's the beginning of the journey. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and just uh, close in prayer. If you want, if you're, you're coming forward, I want you to stay up here. I'm going to ask the, the ministry team to begin to lay hands on these. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your presence here this morning. And now, Lord, I ask for breakthrough for these, God, in Jesus' name. God, that there would be flashes of revelation in their heart, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.